I'm Stephanie Cox, and this is Mobile Matters. Today, I'm joined by Matt Sebeck. Matt is the Vice President of Digital at Worldwide Technology, where he helps major brands dream and develop delightful consumer and workforce experiences through human-centered design, insight-driven objectivity, and the unique ability to understand and eliminate the challenges that exist between the business and IT. He's been instrumental in creating some of the most used and highly rated QSR, B2C, and fast casual restaurant digital experiences over the past five years. In this episode, Matt and I talk a lot about why you need to focus on the customer experience first and then figure out the technology, how you can convince almost anyone to try a crazy idea if you can show the potential ROI, and why loyalty programs are an extremely crucial component for all brands. And make sure you stick around to the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways so that you can not only think about mobile differently, but implement it effectively. Welcome to the show, Matt. So I know that you work at Worldwide Technology. Can you tell me a little bit about what you do there and what your role is? Sure. So I'm the vice president of digital at, at Worldwide Technology. And it's, it's honestly a company not a lot of people know a lot about. It's a, you know, a $12 billion privately held company. And you know, just not to go into too much depth, but it, it's, a, it's a technology company that the foundational technology plumbing for most Fortune 1000 companies you're sitting in an enterprise office and you have a phone on your desk or you're connected to uh, a wireless network or you have data hosted either on-prem or on the cloud, worldwide technology probably has something to do with it. Number one partner of major companies like Cisco and NetApp and Dell EMC. And so really, you know, has, has really grown up on the infrastructure side of the house, you know, helping companies buy and, and install hardware at scale. But over the last five years, um, I've really helped them grow the digital side of their business. And so, yeah, I'm sure we'll get into it and talk about it. But, you know, while that technology exists in a lot of major businesses, it's really the digital part of it that consumers interact with, valuable part of the business that can help differentiate. So we think bringing the, you know, the, the infrastructure world with the digital marketing world is, is, is pretty profound. And we're doing some pretty cool stuff for our customers. So thinking about that, and I loved what you said earlier, how you kind of bring infrastructure and digital together. And this might sound like a cliche question, so apologize for asking it. But what do you think is like the really hottest trends that companies need to be paying attention to right now in terms of both digital and tech? Yeah, and I think, you know, as, as we look at the, you know, the point or the two hemispheres of the brain, be it, you know, infrastructure really existing on one side of the business and digital existing on the other. Um, I, I think, you know, it's easiest to, to think in terms of you were all your brands and experiences. And I think what's, what's the conduit between both of those sides of the business of mass personalization, uh, you know, even that term has become buzzword and buzzwordy and cliche over the last couple of years. But I think that is really what's connecting and driving a lot of the major decisions that we're seeing, personalization and, and dynamic segmentation. It's we're all consumers and you know, the ability to speak with brands in a one-to-one basis based on how I act, um, th- that is the experiences that all, that every brand is trying to get to. Uh, so if you start and then realize that every every decision you make digitally speaking, whether it's in the omni-channel world of voice or websites, um, that's how customers engage. But then the infrastructure that's behind it and the technology partners that really exist underneath the hood, everything is through the lens of the consumer. 
So kind of playing off that a little bit, when you think about technology and marketing and bringing them together, how do you do that to create digital solutions that actually drive results for your customers, but at the same time, don't just implement new tech for the sake of new tech? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the mode is, is probably the one that I, I like the most is, you know, Apple has become a simple principle of, you know, Steve Jobs was big into saying, you know, we focus on the customer experience and then work technology, not the other way around. And I, I think that, you know, with, with no shortage of tools and technology, and, and most of them, frankly, are free and have a low barrier to entry. We see so many of our customers with the technology. Um, and then trying to work into the experience where if it doesn't solve a need, hasn't been identified, um, then how do we know what we're creating has value? And so where we kind of consult with customers that very early on is, is figuring out what you want to be and how do you differentiate and then help intersect that with how, how should we deliver those results? So the latter part is really the technology part, but if, if we're not identifying a need and, and the you know the the behavior we're trying to drive, it's it's pretty much a moot conversation from the beginning. So you just mentioned differentiation, which kind of goes into my next thought, which is some of the stuff that you have done with clients has been a little bit disruptive, whether it's for their brand or for their industry, and you really challenge them to think differently about that customer experience. How do you get a client on board with what might seem like a crazy idea at first? It's all ROI uh, for us. I mean, it's an ROI can come in a number of different ways. I mean, I think we work with a lot of retail brands, specifically in, in quick serve restaurants. And, you know, it's a highly competitive space. And, you know, one of the areas that we're spending a lot of our time is in terms and refreshing re- rewards and loyalty. And, um, you know, it's easy in ROI in terms of dollar values. And uh, if we could get your customer frequently, there's a real dollar value you can place on that. And so if you can associate an idea, an ROI that makes sense, most most boards and CEOs will, will rally around that. But there's also, you know, a, a growing influence of a, of a softer ROI. And that, that really gets into more side is, you know, how does a brand make a consumer feel? And, and what is the language and tone and knowing that a lot of those softer ROIs can really get into the human empathy of, of differentiation. And when a customer looks at your brand um, over three other brands that make the same type, you know, how do they feel about it? And is that driving the right behavior? So um, I think, you know, we've been really big into ROI. It's, um, you know, a lot of the brands and the spaces that we're dealing with, um, you know, it's competitive for every million dollars that they spend. They have to see, you know, what is the return for us? And that has to be defined as either a soft or ROI. So one of the topics that's been in a lot of publications and on speaking engagements at conferences is this idea of app fatigue and that consumers are kind of getting frustrated with downloading apps and finding value in them outside of a handful of ones that they use on a daily basis. Knowing that you guys are heavily invested in creating really engaging native mobile apps for your customers, how do you help combat that through the user experience and just even with brands that are thinking about creating a new one? Yeah, I think some of it is it's fit for, fit for purpose technology that's come up a couple times already in this conversation. Mobile app is is, is a thing, uh, but it, it's one thing in a, in a pretty pretty vast ecosystem. So I think that that's number one is. For the, for the problems we're trying to solve, sometimes the native solution. 
Um, sometimes it's a responsive web app, progressive web app, um, a voice assistant. It comes in so many different flavors today, which is uh, exciting, I think. Uh, you know, if we were having this combo, it would be native mobile app, native mobile app, native mobile app, where there's a lot of different options now. So I, I think, you know, if we're, if we're only driving um, customers to download a na- native mobile app, my team, there's probably something wrong. There's all different ways that we can drive the right type of customer behavior. So that's part of it. Um, the other part of it is, um, you know, I talked about loyalty in the past, and I think that that is looking at hitting app fatigue square in the face. The most well-known loyalty program in the world is probably Starbucks, and 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 even they have refreshed the program three times in the last five years. So, you know, and, and the reason they're doing that is not because you know, the usability of the application stinks; it's just because customers change, and the way that they're trying to drive behavior is how do we how do we organize uh, our loyalty program and incentives and, and, and promos and limited time offers to get people coming back every single day. Um, it's come down to that. And a lot of times that takes a loyalty or rewards program. It seems to be the easiest way for these brands like that to do it. Again, I think, you know, the differentiation of loyalty programs is, is already starting, but I think the notion of, you know, buy it, just get the temp free, that's table stakes these days where it's, it's starting to get much more competitive and brands are trying to gain wallet share, um, I think what we're going to start to see is, is interesting and points and rewards. So you think of a brand like, um, uh, like Panera. Panera does home delivery. They do rapid pickup, with, which is their version of curbside pickup, and then in-cafe dining. They have really three major ways to engage. Well, the brand wants you to come to the cafe and spend a couple hours there because they know if you spend a couple hours there, but you'll buy coffee and maybe a pastry. And so the ticket size is a lot bigger. And so if behavior that they're trying to drive, then they should reward people for doing that. And so if you buy lunch inside a cafe, maybe that's worth two times as many points. And that's within the brand. You know, you can use how an apparel company like Nike might connect with various sensors uh, in your shoe and reward the number of miles that you walk on any given week, knowing that, you know, if you walk more, you're going to need shoes more frequently. So I think, you know, the, where brands are going to get with their loyalty and rewards program is, is, is something that's a lot more experienced um, that will get a little bit outside uh, just rewarding uh, for, for, for transit purchases of product. So one of the things that you mentioned earlier was that WWT is about $12 billion. So you have a ton of great clients. What are some of your favorite client projects that you've been able to work on and help really shepherd forward? I mentioned, you know, QSR, quick service restaurants. It's where we're spending a lot of time digitally speaking, simply because it is so competitive. And, you know, we just fundamentally believe that these are the types of brands that need to move and, you know, we compete against a lot of the major consultancies like, you know, Deloitte Digital, McKinsey. And I think our role as consultants is to, is to not deliver a 50-page uh, document that we, you know, we, we deliver and say, well, good luck, you know, find somebody else to help you build it or deliver the solution for you. We want to help advise and then get to work as fast as and help these brands bring something to market and differentiate as, as quick as they can. So we have found that that message really resonates in, in some of the, you know, retail brands that are, that are looking to move fast. Um, so, you know, 
in QSR, we've worked with a lot of, of well-known household brand names. Um, we've done all of John's consumer consumer apps. We're working with uh, Jersey Mike's, which is the fastest growing um, franchisee in, in America. Um, we're currently on a journey uh, with, with Little Caesars. Interesting to me because, you know, a lot of their competitors like Papa John's and Domino's have been in, in online ordering and the omni-channel and Little Caesars has not. And so they're really starting with a small percentage of their sales going through digital medium from there. So I think it's a, it's a super interesting problem to solve. Um, it's incredibly convenient and accessible for most people, but it's $5. So they have a lot in cash. So how do you design a, a, you know, a digital marketing strategy or a loyalty program, a business that is run on $5 transactions? So that's an interesting space where a lot of growth and innovation that's happening. So that's probably where my favorite stories are right now. So one of the other things I know about you is that you're a big sports fan. So can you tell me a little bit about how sports and technology intersect and really what your thoughts are on what can happen when the two of those are intersected in a really beautiful and compelling way? Oh, man, we could do a whole podcast just on this. Uh, I love I love sports. Uh, I played soccer in college. And uh, so it's, it's always, I mentioned technology, I feel as though so it's sports. Uh, was a huge baseball fan growing up. St. Louis Cardinals are my team. So, yeah, I, I just think it, it's an area that, you know, to tie in tech, you know, I, I think in tech, everyone's looking to build the next platform or the next next social channel. Uh, there's something very, something ingrained in all of us about sports that if I sit down at a bar and see someone wearing a Cardinal hat, we, we can strike up a conversation immediately. So there's kind of this ingrown network that already exists and this commonality that just cuts across you know, ethnicities and, and barriers and, and state bounds, I think it's just really cool. And the other part of it is, you know, sports at centers get smaller and smaller area where, you know, we can collect a lot of data from heart rate to blood or to number of touches on a soccer ball and, um, and communicate that with the fa- with fans in, in rich and compelling ways. So, I just think it's an it's sports are an interesting area where we you know technologists we started to tap into statistics and kind of you know what we would expect um, and have, and have put a digital format but I think we're we we just very very early scratched the surface and what's possible with sports and technology. So we think about retail for a second. One of the things that's been interesting is there's been this big push for e-commerce and digital experiences. But at the same token, a lot of people don't realize how many people are still going to the stores on, you know, a weekly basis. So how do you think about retail brands and balancing, creating this engaging e-commerce experience while also not losing track of what their in-store experience should look like? Because honestly, customers expect to have a consistent experience regardless of the channel that they're using. For sure. And I mean, this is every Christmas that comes around that, you know, retail, you know, the retail apocalypse, it's, uh, it's fun to keep our eye on it for sure. But as you said, you know, and this is where United States is a little bit behind Europe, where Europe sees way more transactions than in store, but in store still makes up for about 75% of, of, of transactions in the United States. So that percentage will continue to, to decline. I think where most brands ha- have landed is realizing that their retail location, that, you know, their brick and mortar. So we have to reshift investments a little bit to make sure that 
you know, those retail centers better today than they had to a couple of years ago. It needs to be, you know, more experiential curbside pickup better, which is a huge operational issue. You know, uh, customers may buy online, but return in store. So how do you handle reverse logistics, digital signage play into the whole, you know, welcoming of consumers in a rich and compelling way. There are a lot of, a lot of, um, I think, very interesting conversations that we're engaged with fans of them figuring out really what is the purpose of their, their brick and mortar locations now, because it's not the same ago uh, and, and it won't be the same five years from now. So if you had the opportunity to talk to all consumer brands in the world and give them one piece of advice on something they should all be doing tomorrow, well, today and tomorrow, what would that be? Oh, man, I, I think, that, you know, this is somewhat something every brand um, that we engage with big and small deals with. And that's that's the silos that exist in technology. Uh, I think there are people um, primarily in marketing parts of the organization that have significant, you know, game changing ideas because they're the closest to the consumers and they're looking at data and they know how how the brand can pivot and move. And then you have people side of the house that could embrace those ideas and, and quickly, you know, create solutions that, that are that are equally as game changing. But most of us know those two sides of the organization are, are far apart and they speak different languages. They may not be, even be in the same city. Being a way to bridge that gap either through internal process or knowledge sharing or, or like WWT that can help bring that together is you know, ultimately, it's, it's speed is the name of the game. Those types of friction points prevent organizations from moving forward. So when you said that, one of the things that immediately came to my head was this idea of, especially when I was little, right? My brother and I would fight. My mom would put this, like, my dad's t-shirt on us and make us both, when we were little, like, be stuck together. And she used to call it the get-along shirt. <laughs> right? It, and that's go. what it reminds me of, right, is how much do marketing and IT or other, you know, technology parts of the organization have this ongoing love-hate relationship. We both need each other, but marketing thinks we're never fast. IT is never fast enough. IT thinks marketing doesn't understand how long things really take, which we don't, let's be honest. <laughs> or we don't, yeah, that's perhaps right. we don't care. But how do you think, to your point, organizationally, like breaking down those silos, how do you think organizations can start to better align those priorities? Is it by working with, you know, third parties? Is it by thinking about, you know, does IT and marketing ever come together and we just call it digital? I know there was this rise of chief digital officers for a while, but most of them sat in marketing and not really IT. And I think they had some of the same problems. What do you suggest that companies do when they think about that? And all of the, the chief digital officer was one that was designed to sit deliberately between marketing and IT. And I think you to see that rise. I also think we're, we're going to continue to see, you know, whether it's computer science people being hired at marketing roles or, or vice versa, that there are, you know, digital natives that are now of the age in senior marketing positions that could, you know, take the role of, of CIO and do something a little bit non-traditional. I, I, I see that happening more often than not now. And I think the the other way that we've seen success is vertical an organization um, so that you don't really have two hemispheres of the brain. You really have the customer point. And if um, the organization as a whole says, all right, num our number one priority this year is um, we're going to revamp our loyalty program to not, not have a marketing side of the house, but to vertically stack it so that you have 
effectively a product owner that writing requirements, doing the market research, defining the ROI, and then you have technology directly to that, and they're engaged in you know, weekly agile sprints to deliver a capability. I think that's an idea, which is really more of a, a process shift in organizations that's hard to do. Has there ever been something that you've implemented that you thought was going to work and it just failed miserably? Miserably, no. Failed, yeah, all, all the time. I mean, we're, we're big believers in, in agile development, which I referenced earlier, is just this idea that, you know, what customers say versus what they do can often be two different things. And so delivering abilities iteratively so that we're constantly getting feedback, either in person or real data that tells us, you know what, I know, they, I know this customer told you um, that they would use a finding inside a grocery store to find every single item on their shopping list. That sounded really good as we went through a discussion with customers. But actually, when we rolled out, you know, an early sampling of this technology, found out that, um, you know, customers in the grocery store have two hands in their cart and they never have their mobile phone out. There's all types of those learnings that, that we hit pretty frequently. The point of let's not go, you know, three to six months without testing software. Um, let's go maybe a while before we get something in our user or our customer's hands so they can give us feedback. So and we've, we've been wrong plenty of times, but we're only going to be a week or two wrong and not six months, I think is really important. No, I agree. Thinking about mobile and the future of mobile and where it's headed, if you had a crystal ball, what would you tell me it looks like in three to five years with how brands are engaging with consumers on mobile? Uh, not to get, not to get, uh, beating the drum of this, but loyalty, again, I think loyalty works is every brand that you interact with, it's going to be table stakes to even have a loyalty. And, um, and in three years, it's going to be super, uh, it's going to be dynamically. So what really what I mean by that is we all use loyalty programs are, you know, buy nine sandwiches, get the 10th free. Some of them are, you know, the more points I earn, I, I enter tiers. And as I get to the top tier, maybe I earn free shipping and returns on everything I buy. I think is in the next three years, it will be based on, you know, my behavior or other people like me's behavior these loyalty programs will be dynamically created for me. And that may change over time. You know, case in point, today it's Monday, I'm at work. I don't have time to go sit in a restaurant. Um, I don't have time to shop online. Um, so the ways that I interact with brands may be totally different than on the weekends when I'm at home with kids. So those loyalty programs and the, and the ways that I engage uh, have to have to talk based on the variables in my life. And I think that's a pretty significant shift if we go back to you no know, and persona development that marketers are familiar with are meant to say, no, Matt is a 30. He lives in St. Louis, Missouri, and he likes sports. Um, so here's how we should treat them. Uh, I think a lot of them is, is just old. It, it, it's it's my my behaviors change on a daily or even hourly basis. Brands need to keep up with that um, sort of dynamic nature of my life. I completely agree. During my conversation with Matt, we talked about one of my favorite topics, the ongoing battle between marketing and IT. I've seen that almost every organization I've worked at 
And I have colleagues in both marketing and IT at other companies that have seen it as well. In today's digital age, it's become a major limiting factor for growth for companies because speed to market is often crucial. So how have marketers handled it? By asking forgiveness rather than permission and bringing on new MarTech without getting IT involved or outsourcing projects to agencies to circumvent the IT backlog. I get why marketers do it. I've done all of these things myself, but I think it's important for us to realize that the load that IT departments and most organizations carry and how that significantly impacts their ability to tackle marketing-related projects. With that said, IT also needs to realize the demands placed upon marketers today are enormous and constantly changing. It's no longer possible for us to wait six months to get a project done. We need to move fast as possible and the ability to iterate as much as possible because consumer behavior is constantly changing. And that's why this idea that Gartner calls citizen developers excites me so much. It allows IT to select platforms that have all the security and management that IT needs, but enables the business to actually do the work on these platforms so they can move at the speed of the business. In fact, Gartner forecasts that by 2020, at least 70% of large enterprises will have established successful citizen development policies. I believe that this shift could ultimately solve the ongoing love-hate relationship that exists between marketing and IT today, and I personally look forward to that. Now, let's get to my favorite part of the show where we take the education and apply it to your business. There are so many great insights from my conversation with Matt that can really help transform how you think about marketing. Let's dive into my top three takeaways. First, we all can get enamored with new technology and finding a way to integrate it into our business. Think back to how many times you've seen another marketer share their tech stack on LinkedIn and you find yourself almost immediately Googling about one of their tech providers to learn more. I get it. We all know technology can help us dramatically improve our business, but technology alone isn't the answer. Instead, we have to understand the problem we're trying to solve, and that means starting with the customer experience first. Figure out what your customer wants, and this may not always be exactly what they say they want. And then think about how you can improve the overall customer experience. Then take the time to find the best technology that can help you achieve it. Customer experience first, then technology, everyone. Next, if you don't have a loyalty program or if you're not constantly evolving it, then you're significantly behind already. Traditional loyalty programs where you buy nine and get the 10th free have become almost table stakes for all brands today and are becoming a major differentiator with consumers. Think about your own buying behavior. How many loyalty programs do you belong to? How often do you choose those brands because of their loyalty program and your desire to stay tied to a single one to gain more rewards? The easiest example is with airlines. Chances are you probably have a favorite airline and you choose to fly it whenever possible so you can accumulate points on a single airline rather than traveling on whatever airline has the best route and the cheapest price. I know people that would actually rather take a flight with a layover on their preferred airline than a nonstop on another. And the same goes for other industries such as clothing, food, and more. Loyalty programs that continue to innovate and become more and more personalized to a consumer are one major way brands are going to be able to outshine their competition. Finally, speed to market matters, everyone. The brands that get there first and do it well often have a major advantage over the rest. But this means your organization has to step up to move quickly. And I'm not talking about taking numerous months to launch an initiative. I'm talking about the ability to rapidly iterate and get a new feature to market, see real-time feedback, and constantly make changes to improve the experience. No first iteration is ever perfect. And with the speed at which consumer behavior changes, there's a huge advantage to moving quickly with the ability to iterate often. Now, here's my marketing challenge for the week. If you're a B2C company and you don't have a loyalty program, then stop what you're doing right now and start an initiative to get one launched. 
If you already have one and you haven't updated in the last 18 months, then it's time to think about some enhancements. Dig into the analytics of the program and your overall customer behavior. I bet you'll find some opportunities to enhance it. And if you're a B2B company, don't assume a loyalty program isn't for you. It may be rare to see B2B companies talking about loyalty programs because instead we tend to think about referral programs instead, but you're still selling to people and you might be surprised how a loyalty program could actually help your business. I'm Stephanie Cox, and you've been listening to Mobile Matters. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until then, be sure to visit Limivate.com and subscribe to get more access to thought leaders, best practices, and all things mobile.